My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors. How are we doing today? Some of you are like totally confused. Wait, we only did one song and you're up. Like, I don't, we're, we're mind blown this morning. What's going to happen? Well, we're going to uh, worship some more this morning at the conclusion of today's teaching because today we continue our devoted series and we're going to be looking at our value that is found in Acts chapter 2. The value specifically is worship environments, right? Worship environments. And so I'm going to teach you into forms or thoughts of worship. And I know right away, uh, probably a lot of our mind goes to music, and that'll be a part of it today. But what I hope that you will discover is that worship is a lot more than a song that we might sing. So here's what I, want you, I want you to start this way. Um, I want you to turn your insert over, turn this right here over on the back. You've got plenty of room. And I want you to write three words for me this morning in kind of order, not across, like boom, 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 from top to bottom. The first word is pitcher. The word pitcher. Pick, if you're a millennial. All right. The second word I want you to write is mirror. Mirror. Is that how you say the word? And the third word that I want you to write down is the word window. Picture, mirror, window. And I'm going to teach you and talk to you about these three words this morning in the context of worship. Now, here's what we believe at New City Church about worship. It's the, if you flip your insert back over, you can follow along with me. But we believe that in every environment, there's an opportunity to worship. In every single environment, there is an opportunity for you to worship. But here's the truth. We often miss opportunities for worship, and here's why. Either we don't see it, or two, we're waiting for somebody else to initiate the worship. Have you ever been in a, in a, in a, maybe at a, around a table with food, and you really want to bless the food before you eat it, but you're sure hoping somebody else initiates that conversation? It's a simple little way, right? And sometimes it takes such boldness just to simply say, hey, can we bless our food before we eat it? And many times we have missed that opportunity because we don't want people to think we're weird or that we're some spiritual fruit loop, right? I'm a husband. Some of you guys in this room are husbands. And as a husband, I believe it's our responsibility and our great privilege to lead out in spiritual things in our home. My wife has an equal partnership with this with me, but I feel like I get to be the one to kind of initiate leadership. And sometimes, to be honest with you, it is the, I'm a pastor of a church. And it's hard for me sometimes to say to my wife, I think we should pray about this. Sometimes it's like, I, I don't want to say it. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like a little sixth grader again, asking a girl to dance with me at one of the dances, right? And I just can't walk across the room and say, hey, this is really stressful or this is a lot of pressure or we don't have good clarity. I think we should just pray. Sometimes it's so hard to initiate opportunities of worship. And I just talked about prayer. I didn't even talk about music, right? Like some of us, like if your only method of worship was singing, the rest of us have to suffer through that, right? So thank God that God provides a lot of ways for us to worship him. So we believe, and this is really important, again, that in every environment there is an opportunity for worship. The question is, will you be brave and bold enough to initiate it and become a worship leader. Here's what I want you to kind of write down this morning. Exactly. Worship happens in two directions. Worship happens in two directions. It happens to God, up, vertical, and it happens to, uh, towards others. So to God and towards others. It almost looks like a cross. Uh, you have this vertical worship to God and then a horizontal on how you would represent God to others. And that's actually a definition that I want to give you uh, this morning for worship. If you want to go to the next little fill-in and then you're done for fill-ins for the day. Worship is simply this, expressing your devotion to God and representing God to others. Like some of you are like, shoot, I wish you would have ended that sentence halfway through it. Because some of you have no problem, have no problem 
uh, giving your devotion to God in worship. Like you're a pretty good personal worshiper, but you don't do a great job representing God to others. Like it would scare you to death if I showed up at your workplace or another friend, Christian friend, showed up at your workplace and simply walked around to your friends and peers at your workplace and said, hey, how was so-and-so at work? When it, did you know that he was a believer? Had no idea. Didn't know it, right? Like how do we represent God to those around us? That is an act of worship. It's, it's vertical and it's horizontal. Now, I want to start with you this morning. I want to give you pictures of worship. I asked you to write down that word pictures. I want to give you pictures of worship so that you could uh, have a, maybe a better understanding of what worship might look like. And oftentimes when we think about worship, we do think about music. And music, when you, specifically when you go up with God, music is a part of that worship. I was talking to Pastor Curtis this week. He's our worship arts leader. Kind of looks like me, but he's not, right? <laughs> I like it when you guys go to him with a complaint to Pastor Matt, complaining about something, he just gets stuck because he doesn't know how to tell you that he's not me, Right? <laughs> I love it, right? Um, but um, I asked Curtis, I'm like, hey, give me your, he has a unique position. You know, he stands right here. And I don't know if you know this about this position right here, but we can see every face. We see every face during teaching. Uh, we see every face during worship. Now, you don't get that privilege. You see the back of somebody's head, and you see maybe five or six faces, right? But Curtis sees every face. And I'm like, what do you see sometimes? And he goes, man, here's what I see a lot of times is like when somebody's really into the worship, like you can tell that they're connecting with that song or they're connecting with what God's doing in that moment with the words of that song, that it makes me want to lead stronger as a worship leader. Like he, he's like, I don't want, I don't even want to stop. Like you, you don't get your teaching time today, Matt, because I, I'm really enjoying this, right? He says, but there's also that other side, right? And what's the other side? I hate this song music's too loud, right? And he says when it's like that, and he gave me some names, I'm watching. <laughs> he said when it's like that, he says it's really challenging. He says sometimes, I'll give, you, I'll give you Curtis's trick. He says sometimes I just close my eyes, and I forget they're there, and I go back to the one I'm worshiping, right? I go back to the one I'm worshiping. Now, what does that mean? What I want you to hear is that when you are worshiping God, it affects those around you. When you, like, I think it's, I mean, okay, so, like, I'm going to maybe put on my little prophet hat for a little bit here. Um, I think it's really hard to ignore God all week and then come into this room and try to worship him with white-hot faith. What I mean by that is that, that if you are not spiritually pursuing God, maybe in reading and devotions and a prayer life, it's probably difficult for you to come in here and kind of throw your hands up in worship because life, probably the picture of life that you have is not all that worship full, right? But I want to encourage us in that today. I, want, I hope that by the end of the day that you have some help towards that, right? You have some help towards that. Did you know that even if you don't like the songs, that almost every single, I'll say this, every single song that we put up there, the words are actually from Scripture itself or strongly Scripture principled. So even if you don't like the song or the melody or the tune, what you can trust is that the words that are coming out of your mouth are proclaiming truth, are proclaiming scripture. Me and Curtis were saying this, is that when you sing a song, you speak scripture. And when you speak it, you're proclaiming it. And when you're proclaiming it, you're taking it off of you and you're giving it to Jesus. Today, you're going to have an opportunity to proclaim the words that are on the screen over your life. And words are really, really important. Can I give you some other pictures of worship? Because it's not always singing. We're just going to go through some that, that I have here. I don't know what order they're in. Hands lifted high. 
That's a picture of worship, right? Like when you see people lifting their hands, it's an idea for you that, hey, we're worshiping something, right? What about another picture? Let's see what we got here. This is uh, Rick. He's one of our uh, congregation members here at New City. And uh, Rick, can you tell that he's speaking to almost an empty room? Rick, at times, would go to City Union Mission and preach the gospel and share his story to people who are there for a meal, are there for warmth, and, and it's a tough crowd if you've ever been, right? But Rick would go, I don't know if he still goes or not, but it's a picture of worship. I'm going to go and I'm going to tell my story to a group of people. Here's another picture of worship. This is a family meal we had recently at the Bartels home. I love that picture. They got this big table in their backyard, and uh, we had some men and and, uh, women gathered around that table talking about some stuff at New City Church. But that is an act of worship because that dinner was committed to the things of the Lord. So I love that picture. I took it. I'm, I'm really gifted, right? Awesome. What about the next one? This may be a, oh, so. This one right here, I took this picture. I'm like a photographer. This one was taken with my iPhone in Thailand last year, about this time. We were in Thailand, and all of these people, these men and women, are um, are pastors from the country of Laos. Heavy. Uh, well, not it's not super heavy, but heavy persecuted. And so they had come into uh, North Thailand to um, to for this little conference that we were helping lead. And so that was their time of worship. And man, these people. We could all learn from them on how they engaged in the worship. And can I tell you something? Some of them, their voices were horrible. Most of them couldn't sing, couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. They didn't care because they weren't singing for my ears. Who were they singing towards? To God, right? We need to pray for these men and women, by the way, too, because this past week, Thailand, their king of 70 years died. And that country's in turmoil, right? And so our missionary brothers that we support in Thailand, uh, there's a really like, what do we do? Uh, the king's uh, son, who's 64, seems will be taking over the, the throne. And uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, story. So follow that in the news, if you will, uh, Thailand. All right, next picture. This may be the video. Nope, not yet. Sunrise, I love sunrise. My, gran- my granny taught me as a little boy to w- enjoy the sunsets and the sunrises. And it's just, a, man, I, when I see one, like my, ask my wife, I'll be like, oh, check out that, check out that. And it's just a reminder of God's creation and God's beauty. And I say, man, God, thank you for that. What's next? What we got here? Yeah. <laughs> One of our members captured this a few weeks ago in worship. This is a little Tino back there worshiping. And uh, I asked his mommy if I could show it. He's in the back row. You guys didn't even see him. He's not doing it for your approval. He's just back there jamming out to the band, right? They're not fun. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I want to walk you through a little bit on uh, more pictures, maybe not on the screen, but maybe for my own life. Like, I'll let you kind of into how to pass. How does Pastor Matt worship? I mean, there's a. Sometimes I go for a walk, and I actually I walk around Westbrook Village, which is just around the corner here. Like, if you walk, I think it's 1.3 miles. If you walk the complete hand on the building. And I just walk and I just pray. That building represents things in my life that I can't control. And I just walk and I just pray about all that God might want to do or how I need to submit my life to him in ways that I'm struggling, right? Uh, in my home, if you were to have dinner with us, we pray before each meal. I even thank God for close parking spots, right? Now, the reason that you don't get close parking spots is because you're not thankful for them, right? You ride with me, ask anybody. You ride with me, you're parking up front. Why? Because Pastor Matt's thankful for the parking spots. The other day we were at Fonterra's last week. Luke's shaking his head, but it's true. Luke, it's true. We're pulling into Fonterra's. Before I pull in, before I can put the, the Jeep in, uh, in, in neutral, uh, Luke says, thank you, Lord, my five-year-old. 
I'm like, that's right, buddy. Daddy's teaching you, right? To be thankful for even little simple parking spots. Guys, it's just parts of worship, right? It's parts of worship. I want to bring you to some scriptures uh, right now. I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 5. And I love this. This is what Paul says. He says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord, right? You have to find out what pleases the Lord. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What Paul is saying to us is maybe this. As you go about your life, you're going to see a lot of different types of pictures of how to do life. And you have to distinguish and you have to learn up and you have to get wise on what pictures best represent what, what the Lord wants when it comes to worship. Here's what I want you to say. I'm, what was the second word that I asked you to write down? Remember? Mirror. Mirror, right? Here's what I want you to he- understand. If you look at something long enough, pretty soon you begin to reflect that very thing. You stare at something long enough and you begin to reflect it. And so what Paul is encouraging us is to fix your gaze, to look at things that are going to propel you towards spiritual deal. We, this is why discipleship is so very important. Here's what I can guarantee you. Everybody in this room is being discipled towards something. Promise you. Discipleship is simply teaching someone towards something. In the Christian context, discipleship is teaching them to obey God's commands. That's what discipleship is, is that we get together in various forms and various settings, and we look at the scriptures, we stare at the scriptures, that's our picture, so that it might reflect in our life, that we become the mirror of God's word, that we are obedient to the things God asks. And some of us in this room, actually all of us in this room, we are being discipled towards something. You, your life is reflecting something. Your life might reflect lust because of what you choose to stare at. Your life may reflect anger because of what you choose to stare at. Your life may represent frustration at your own life because of what you choose to stare at as success. We're all being discipled towards something. That's why Paul says, uh, find out what pleases the Lord. Be very careful that how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Paul's not even talking about right or wrong. What is wise and what is not wise, and then point your feet, put, fix your gaze on what seems to be wise in your life, and keep staring at that until it reflects who you are. And the reason I just believe this is some of us are so stinking spiritually frustrated, and you're upset with God, and you don't like your surroundings, is because you keep looking at stupid stuff, and you keep looking at foolish examples, and you're not doing the very thing that God says, and you like ignore God's word so that you can watch other things. Here's the deal, folks. I don't care how smart or how strong you think you are. You will reflect what you stare upon. And a warning to every Christ follower in this room. Be very careful that once you recognize something to be of God, from God, towards God, that you don't turn your gaze from that thing onto something else. Look at the warning that Moses gave um, the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 12. They're just now taking the land that God had promised And God says this to Moses, but when you have driven them out and settled in their land, and after they have been destroyed before you, be careful not to be ensnared by inquiring about their gods, saying, how do these nations serve their gods? Will we do the same? You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things that the Lord hates. Oftentimes in our life, Because of our own ignorance. Ignorance is not stupidity. Stupidity is that you know and you do it anyway. Ignorance is you simply don't know. 
in our own ignorance, we, we unintentionally turn our gaze from the thing that God is showing us and we put it on something that's detestable in the Lord's sight. Look at that word he used. Detestable. That means God hates it. It makes him want to throw up in his mouth. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And yet that is the very thing that we choose to stare at and that's the very thing that we begin to reflect in our life. I'll give you a personal story. I have to set firm boundaries in my life right now on Facebook, on CNN, on Fox News, and on what I read. Because I read a lot on what's going on between uh, Hillary and Trump. I read it so much that my attitude begins to reflect it. And I reflect it so much, and here's the third word, right, if you want to get to the picture, I mean to the window, that I, I, I focus on it so much that my attitude and my thinking and my actions even begin to reflect what I hear, that pretty soon it's the window to which I see the world. Are you with me? I see the world as a hopeless, oh my goodness place that we're all in trouble. Is that a good way to live? Do you know how hard it is to love your neighbor when you have that kind of attitude? You know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to rush home after work, pull into my garage, close my garage door and say, see you tomorrow, workplace. I'm going to go into here to my little safe place where it's me and my little family. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and the rest of you can just can just go away. Right. Because it's the window. If I'm not careful, I stare at it so much, I begin to reflect it. And then it's the window. It's the window to which I see the world. It's the window to which I see the world. What about you? See, I have to replace Facebook with God's word. I have to replace sometimes those things I watch on TV with K-Love, even when it's a pledge drive. God help us all. I'm just like, what do you need? I'll write a check. Just tell me what you need. Let's just, let's just get on to it, right? <laughs> Make us laugh a little bit, right? Maybe yours isn't the political thing, but what do you stare at? Just think about that for a moment, right? What does the Lord say to you right now? What is the window to which you see the world? And how easy it is for us to, fix, to turn our gaze from the things of Christ and the things of God's powerful word and his beautiful principles and begin to look at the craziness in which we live. You can see the world through a variety of things. You can see your world through your children's success or lack thereof. You can see the world through your lack of success or your great success. You can see the world through your dollar signs or your lack of dollar signs. Like, what is giving you hope for tomorrow? What is pressing you on? Is it the truth of God's word or is it a situation that you've stared at? Like, some of you think that your relationship is hopeless and it's over and it cannot be reconciled because all you do is stare at the bad of it. Some of you can't accomplish, I want you to hear this. Some of you can't accomplish, I'm going to use some of maybe Bill Cobb's language, he's a friend of mine here at New City who gave me this this morning. Some of you can't accomplish the very thing that God has asked you to accomplish because you've put a limit, you've put a governor on what God can do in your life. And it's not that God wants to, doesn't want to do more in your life, it's that you keep telling God what God can't do. And as long as that's your attitude and as long as that's your thought process, guess what? You never will accomplish the thing that God wants you to do. You will stay right where you think you should be. But you look in your mirror Remember the old Saturday Night Live sketch for some of us older folks, Stuart Smalley? I'm smart enough. Come on, help me out. I'm good enough and doggone it. People like me, right? So you need to YouTube that, right? I'm smart enough. I'm good enough and doggone it. People like me. It was words of affirmation. Remember when he had Michael Jordan do that? Like he needed help, right? Right? But what are you staring at that's taking your gaze off of God's truth? So that's where I want us to kind of think on, right? Picture, mirror window. Every opportunity is an opportunity of worship. 
And worship is a lifestyle that you can begin to have when it's how you choose to see the world. And how do you get there? You have to fix your gaze on the picture of God's truth, His Word. And you have to keep staring at God's Word and reading God's Word until all of a sudden, lo and behold, and blow your mind, you begin to reflect God's Word. And then all of a sudden you reflect God's word so much that you see your words changing and you see your attitude changing, you see your actions changing. And before long, God's word is your window to the world and you have a biblical worldview that despite what all the pundits say and what everything happens on TV and on media and social media and you think the world is over. No, God's word stands true and I get to go and love God and represent him to others. And this person doesn't have any say and this person doesn't have any say because it is God that I serve because my gaze is fixed on him. And when that's your gaze, listen, guys, that's, that's, that's the way that you can actually worship God all the time. And you can thank God for a parking spot. And it's easy for you to thank God for the food that you're about to eat. And you notice relationships, even if they're quickly, they happen in Walmart, that you just talk to somebody, or you begin to value deeper things in your life. Here's, here's the danger. We try to do that maybe sometimes alone. Earlier I said everybody's being discipled towards something. I mean, I can't stress this enough as a church body, speaking primarily to the people who call New City Church home. Man, it is our heart and desire that you walk with people who are also staring at the truth of Scripture and who are doing their best to reflect God's Word so that it might be the window to the world in which they live. And if you're like, man, I don't, how do I engage in that? The simplest way to engage at this point, we've got four city groups taking place right now. One starts, it's on the back of, your, back of this bulletin right here, right? You can sign up online. It's just a step towards being discipled. You got the women's Bible study led by Pastor uh, Chris's wife, Rachel. Uh, had a fantastic group last Monday. It's only week two. Jump right in. You got the one that I lead on Wednesday night. Had a great attendance. You can sign up for that one and come right in. They're free, right? They're free. You should pay me, but it, for Wednesday night, it was so good, right? Uh, but, you, but it's free. We got the parent group that starts Sunday today. Uh, if you just need help in your parenting. And then Michelle, who was singing in the worship team today, has a single woman's book club, right, that you can come to. And it's, it's like just a step, different nights for you to come in and, and engage in some type of discipling direction to be with other people who are looking at God's word to see how it might reflect in our lives so that we would, be, would better, we would better see the world. Now, okay, you ready? You got to put on your, your big boy pants here. Big boy. You got big boy pants on? Awesome. <laughs> um, I'm going to circle back to wrap up. If you ignore God's word all week long, you're going to have a hard time worshiping God at any moment of your life. And so how do we refocus? The beautiful thing about God is he allows us to refocus at any moment, even right now. And it starts with a repentant heart. Like some of us in these next 30 minutes simply need to say, God, I have ignored you for the last seven days. And actually, the only time I've talked to you is when I've been asking you to change something going on in my life because it's not very fun right now. By the way, it's not prayer. That's called whining. Just so you know, that's not prayer. That's whining. And we've ignored God. We've ignored God. So sometimes we need to repent of that and say, we need to refocus on Jesus. Here's how we're going to refocus this morning. We're going to have a time of, we're going to take communion together. Now, the way we're going to take communion this morning is here in a moment. Uh, I'm going to ask our ushers and we're going to pass the communion plates. I want you to hold on to the juice and to the bread. And we're going to take this as a family today, okay? So don't gobble it down. Just hang on to it for a moment. 
and I'm going to lead us in the communion moment. And here's why. Jesus is our focus. And what communion does, one of the things it does, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. It refocuses on the window to which we're supposed to see the world. And so I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward, and we're going to begin to pass that at this time, and then hold on to it, and we're going to move into uh, the teaching and the worship uh, together as we refocus ourselves uh, through participating in communion. they're passing this, I want to kind of set some, some kind of uh, framework for this morning. Here in a moment, not right now, in a moment, we're going to be led in this moment where you're going to take the body and the blood, the, the things that represent the body and the blood of Christ. And what I want you to be processing here in just a moment, or right now actually, is how will you take those things? Will you take those with somebody who has a lot of men of God, I wish I wouldn't, or I wish I didn't, or will you have refocused yourself even in this moment? Or you take them for meant it's in Christ. It is not on you to make you right. You are made right in Christ. And so maybe this prayer over us right now is just say this to yourself. I'm in Christ. Father, thank you that I get to be in Christ. It's not by my own power of salvation. It's not by my own good works. Uh, I don't care if you think that you've been coming to this room really super clean. It's that you are still in Christ that we get to remember what he has done for us. Maybe you reflect on those three words. The picture, the mirror, the window. Do you need to confess what you stare at? Do you need to confess on what you reflect? Do you need to confess to the Father how you see this world? Charlie, when you guys are finished, if there's one left, I'd appreciate one for me as well. If you don't mind, sir. Thank you, my friend. All right. I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul writes this. And he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
And so I want to thank the Lord for this. We don't have to bow our head and close our eyes. God can still hear us. I want to thank God as a congregation of people that he endured the punishment of the cross and what happened before him. And may it be a reminder to us that in our following of Jesus that we too will have to pick up our cross and follow him. It may be a reminder, this bread be a reminder that sometimes people are going to ridicule you and make fun of you and harass you because of the man Jesus that was God's one and only son that was sent to us. And may we not flinch when somebody wants to hit us and get all mad in rebellion because he bore the pain and the weight of the sacrifice. So Jesus, we say thank you that you didn't quit and that you endured in spite of all things. May we follow your example. Let's take the bread. Now the cup. He said, this cup represents my blood that will be shed for you. And each time you drink this cup, be reminded that it's my blood that was shed that reconciles you to the Father. Not your good works, not your bad works, not your words of I am sorry or I repent. It's the very blood of Jesus that was shed on our behalf that allows anybody in this room to have access to the Father, that we can even talk to Him and pray towards Him. May we not drink it in vain. May we say thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. The cup. Now, I want to invite you as we close out the service today, the next 20 minutes or so, to worship. No manipulation. I'm not asking you to throw your hands up and sing if that's not how you want to worship. Your worship may include coming up here and kneeling and simply praying for the next 20 minutes. It may be sitting down there, taking notes, reflecting on what God has, what he is saying to you and what he wants you to do about it. It may be throwing your hands up saying, Lord, thank you for all that you're doing in my life. I don't know what it might look like, but all I'm asking us is that we worship and refocus our life on the one, on the one who died for us. Amen. So would you guys stand with me and let's worship our resurrected Savior and show gratitude and thankfulness for all that he has done for us.